The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. I'm going to convert to ancient Judaism. That's going to be clipped for sure. Ah, you're just being legalistic. You're just being a Pharisee. Yeah, it's not very fair, you see. We've already made that joke. It's not funny. I just wanted a joke, okay? Hopefully before we have to release that episode, Christ comes back. Or what if we're the heralds? Okay, so this is why we can't cover eschatology. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm Caleb. To my left is... Joshua. The order's changed a bit. To my left is... I'm Joel, and to my left... I am Colton, and back to you, Caleb, to my left. I, yes, I'm to the left of Colton. Joel, what do we do on the internet? Oh, yeah, we've got a lot of projects on the go right now. We've got secondratesaints.com, which is where you're going to find links to everything we're trying to do, um, which is create conversation in the Christian worldview. So uh, that rhymed. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should. You're good at what hurt. you do, Joel. Yeah, I'm good at what I, I accidentally most of the time. Um, we got blog posts up there. We've got book reviews. If if you want, um, you know, a written out summary of of different things we've gone over on the podcast. We're trying to get all the what have you read segments to be up there. So, uh, you know, to cross reference, just in case you uh, missed the title in the podcast. Um, yeah, check us out. We're going to be doing some interesting stuff. Um, we also want to get some audience participation in uh, topic suggestions. So I'm going to be putting out a, um, what do you call it? A poll um, where people are able to suggest topics. And then I'll make a, a little bit of a tournament sheet to see which one gets covered first. This is this is the idea that I've come up with. This is going to be on Instagram. Yeah, we're going to do it on Instagram or on YouTube. YouTube has like a limit of how many subscribers we need okay. um, yep. in order to make a poll. And so I implore you, our listeners, um, subscribe to our YouTube so we can make polls. <laughs> nice. Yep. <laughs> give us more options. Yeah, give us a little more flexibility online. Cool. Yeah. Colton. Yes. You do some reading. What did you read? I read every once in a while. Uh, Are you asking this... what he read? Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am asking that. <laughs> Colton, what did you read? Well, I... I have read the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Has anybody else heard of it? I've it, heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly famous book that came out, uh, I think, two or three years ago during the COVID pandemic. Um, it essentially is a apologetics book uh, about a woman who was kind of lured into a, uh, a more liberal church, a church that was very progressive and started deconstructing Christianity quite a bit. Uh, and this is her talking about how she, how, like the things they went over there and how to combat them. So they would bring up things like uh, universalism and the, the rejection of hell, the uh, rejection of um, exclusivism, exclusivism that there could be all religions might be, uh, there's no atonement, st- like a lot of stuff like that. Interesting. Uh, there's quite a few different topics, but it basically is a very simple and more narrative focused apologetics work going over what she learned and then how she combated it uh, with these, well, 
as she will put them, especially heresies, these other gospels, another gospel mm-hmm. that they're take they're taking the gospel and adding something to it. Interesting. Um, included in that, not just the progressive, but also hyper fundamentalism is included in that. Mm. So uh, extreme legalism. I'm looking forward to when that goes up on the book review site. Absolutely. How, what would you rate it on a one to five? And one to five, uh, oof, I'd probably give it a four. I don't think it's for everyone. It's a very introductory work into apologetics. Uh, a lot of, yes, Jesus did die. Yes, Jesus was physical. Yes, this, mm-hmm. um, which is good. It's not super in-depth, but it's a great jumping off point for the average person to take it and learn more from that point. Uh, I do, uh, I had to write actually a review on this, mm. uh, on this book, and I actually thought it was useful. Um I have had many interactions with people who are uh, who would be considered liberal theologians or liberal Christians who try to mm-hmm. push their ideas on to me, like actually push them, not just tell me them. Uh, so you'd recommend it for people that maybe are saturated in that environment, yeah, or if their family are kind of moving yep. that way. Well, in, yeah. In, yeah, in those environments, I could somewhat be like, oh, well, what you're telling me is probably wrong because I'd been to Bible college and because I had studied the Bible a little bit, but to someone, to the other people who were there who haven't had like any training or Mm -hmm. doesn't look into apologetics at all or anything like that, they're very tempting saying that God is just love, that he doesn't want to hurt anything. Mm -hmm. uh, All like that. Well, it's, it's the modern, modern narrative. It's in with our values of a more secular society. It's the, uh, over assertion of God's justice over his wrath and not seeing those as being compatible ideas. Sure. Yeah. Um, now when you say another gospel, what comes to mind for me is, is the Gnostic gospels or the, the additional, um, accounts of Christ's work on earth, which mm-hmm. have no validity based on their dating. Does she go over that as an apologetic or is it more about the modern replacement of the gospel, not just the historical? Uh, it's, so it uses that idea that the, um, Gnostic gospels, like the gospel of Thomas and stuff as more of a, a backdrop, like look at in history, this kind of idea mm. was that mm. they added mm. something to the Bible. Uh, and so another gospel, um, they took a lot of philosophical ideas and applied them or yeah. cultural ideas and applied them. And she says, that's what's happening today mm-hmm. is that you're taking a lot of social justice or uh, more mainstream cultural ideas and applying yeah. them to the gospel, therefore making it something it's not. It's becoming another mm. gospel, essentially another religion. Well, you even see that in some like ultra fundamentalist conservatives, where they turn things into uh, yeah into nationalistic well, mm-hmm. aspects. Yeah, she, she even goes over that. It's um, awesome, Josh. Mm. You had something to say? Oh, the only thing I was going to bring up was like, yeah, it seems like throughout time, there's ser- there's moments where people take Christianity, the religion, as a cultural mm. thing or as a, as a movement for politics or social drives yep. rather than as a deep understanding of reality. Um, yes. They, they use it to, as a means to an end yeah. um, rather than what it is. God doesn't change the world. God's plan to change the world. Isn't through politics. It's through the, the soul of the individual. Mm. Well, if you want to know more about that, that's going to Mm -hmm. be on the website in the book reviews section. A link to the Amazon page will be in that description, along with Colton's um, one paragraph for 
So review of it and uh, yeah, check it out. Check out what else we have there. Um, Our topic for this episode, we're talking about Jewish sects, Mm -hmm. specifically uh, Sadducees and Pharisees. Yeah. Josh, do you want to give us a quick overview of the four, if you don't mind? Yeah. So just like we're only talking about two of them. There's four of them. Yeah. So there are four major parties within uh, Israelite culture, four major groups. They're the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Um, for Christians, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are known and like obvious to the listener because yeah. they're presented in the Bible a lot. And so it dominates what people see mm. as Jewish culture and Jewish uh, society at the time. Um and they're two groups that kind of dominated the politics and the culture of everyday Judaism. Mm-hmm. But there were two other groups that were there, the Essenes and the Zealots. The Essenes didn't exist within society. They existed in the outskirts, mm-hmm. um, in the more rural areas, because they secluded themselves from uh the city, because they believed that the city was where sin was, and to exclude themselves was helpful. I know it's not a super helpful analogy, but yeah. I, my brain always goes to like, oh, like Hutterite colonies. Yes, and it's, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or um, monks. Yeah. Yep. Go live Very on the tower. Yeah. Dedicate yourself to God in that <laughs> way. Um, and the Zealots were mostly a political ra- re- reactionary group mm-hmm. um, due to the Roman occupation and then before that, the Greek occupation. And so they were zealots for God. And they wanted to free the land from... Yeah. Corruption. From the Romans, especially. Yeah. Uh, Um, They were essentially terrorists. Yeah. Well, it's a huge reason to why Christ would have been expected to be a military figure was because of the ideology of the zealots. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You can do a whole, and I've seen it in a couple of books where people will will point out where all four of these groups Mm -hmm. tried to figure out if Jesus was more along their side. Because they all kind of approach him in different ways. The, the, The zealots... And the Essenes less less obviously so mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees. Yeah, but they do kind of approach them and be like, "Hey, so when is the you know when is the kingdom of Israel going to be going to be you know restarted or whatnot?" Mm-hmm. Right with the uh, with the zealots, or there's the whole questions of like end time stuff, and that would be far mm-hmm. more close to what the Essenes are are looking <laughs> for. When is are you the Messiah? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sadducees and Pharisees are. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the effect that the Essenes had on Jewish history that we have seen recently since the seventies is, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yep. Um, the, the people in Qumran were Essenes that they put. Oh, so you look at the Essenes and the Qumran community as a one-to-one. They, they're related. They're related, but I don't know if they're the exact same people. But it's entire books are on this. Yeah. 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 Um, there's clearly a relationship between the group, mm-hmm. the groups, um, and they affected Israel in similar ways via from the outside. Um, before we, yeah. before we jump exactly into our, the two, uh, sects that we're talking about, mm-hmm. Joel, yeah. you recently wrote a paper on, on the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, I have a, about a year ago as well. Um, you and I have talked about how it's kind of. It's not quite accurate to mention that, yo, there's this sect, this sect, this group, Mm -hmm. you know, this heresy, quote unquote. Do you mind walking us through that maybe when we throw arbitrary terms like sect or heresy on 
on these mm. groupings in the in the past that it might provide some unhelpful baggage when we think about it. Yeah, and that's one thing you really have to to think about um, when you talk about ancient religion just as a whole is that as terms are used more and more often, there are more and more ideas attached to it. And you can say the same thing with fundamentalism, right? You can say the same thing with heresy. You can say the same thing with like um, syncretism, right? Like how does history view these these things? And so I was, I was reading a book by a guy named Shay Cohen, who is a um, professor at Harvard of Hebrew literature. Um, and he is... Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what his religious affiliation is, but he makes a, a big deal out of this terminology of, of um, what's called sectarianism mm-hmm. and uh, as well as heresies and denominations. So denominations um, see other denominations as valid. That's like one of their identifying factors. Whereas a sect would be slightly different because that's often the comparison you hear is like, well, Pharisees and Sadducees, that's no different than Baptists and Reformed or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't think it's as, as clear one to one because a sect almost needs to have a combative nature to it that they are looking for the majority of their religion. Um, does that kind of line up with you, what you found as well? Josh? Or did you, did you read anything by Cohen or no? Um, not by Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the research that I did was I found that another way to look at it is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Essenes and the Zealots were not the four groups that every Israelite would be slotted into. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was, these were four groups and they had effect on the people of Israel. Yeah. Um, and like one of the things it mentions was in the intertestamental period, there's only about 6,000 Pharisees, but the effect it has on mm-hmm. Israel is immense. Like it, mm-hmm. it shaped how the Jews saw religion. The is Sadducees, it only 600? Because I thought 800 of them are six thousand by uh, 6,000. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 6,000. Um, but like, but the, the effect that they had, right? It's like, like when you say the Republicans, right? There are mm-hmm. people that vote Republican in the United States, but there's only a certain amount of Republicans in the Congress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have an effect on mm-hmm. it, uh, America, but it would be inappropriate to say 75% of uh, Well, that was another America factor. is a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that a sect would have a, a political aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something else with the Essenes and the Zealots. Mm-hmm. There were probably multiple competing organized, organized like troops of people mm-hmm. that would fit into the Zealot or into the Essene category, mm-hmm. whereas the Sadducees and the Pharisees are a one cohesive party yeah. and it, it, not together, but separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's where we see like the debate between the Essenes and the Qumran. Are yeah. they the same? Are they somewhat different, even though they're influenced? Like, yeah, there might be mm-hmm. sex within sex. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, there's going to be different schools of thought within mm-hmm. um, their organization already. Would um, it, would it be fair <clears> to say <throat> that a sect is more like a faction, like factionalism? That they yeah. that their group is and they're competing with the other group. Yeah. For the main body of the mm-hmm. Yeah, of for the like, captivation of the audience. Yep. Yeah. I think that'd be fair from my research. Yeah. No, I, I can I can see that working. Um they do have a common heritage though, which is the uh Hasidim. Did you guys come mm-hmm. across that when you were I believe so. Yeah, so um the idea is the Hasidim would have had a um an alliance during the Maccabean revolt. 
which mm. is when the yeah. if for for our listeners that's when the book of Maccabees <laughs> or the several book of Maccabees um take place about 250 uh, years before Christ um yeah I th- something give like or that. take yeah it's yeah. it's something like that um but it's not as far back as you would expect right like uh, mm. there's a lot of stuff that happens during what's called the the intertestamental period um when maybe God isn't inspiring new words, but he's definitely working among his people. Yep. The um, Maccabean revolt was 167 to 141 BC. Okay. Thanks off for by a hundred years. Yeah. Wow. Led by Judas Maccabeus. It is mm-hmm. how Hanukkah comes to be. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the um, lighting of the candles uh, during Hanukkah is the cleansing of the temple symbolically. Because yep. the idea is that the Romans came in and they said, you know what? This God that you worship, that's Zeus now. Because Seleucids. They would- the Greeks. What? Seleucids, not the Romans. Oh, okay. sorry. Um, that comes later. Yeah, that's that's a surprise <laughs> tool for later. <laughs> yeah. It gets real fuzzy sometimes when I think about that period of history. But either way, um, yeah, that, that cleansing of the temple. I don't know. I think it's a cool thing. Um, yeah. That we kind of completely ignore, even though it's such an essential part of that. Well, that you, see that, you see that illusion in Christ, uh, Christ's comments. Um, in John, when he when there there's all the lights set up around the temple, yep. mm-hmm. which would be the celebration of Hanukkah, and he goes the, the I am the light of the world mm-hmm. aspect, and that when he's saying that it's during the festival uh, celebrating Hanukkah. Well, that's so awesome. It's it's very like yeah, mm-hmm. the temple is lit up to be the cleansing and all that, but it's also lit up to be that yeah, that's that's the great light. That's the that's the very important thing within Jerusalem within the Jewish religion, and then just Jesus gets up and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about um, sect just before we get into our next uh, section. So if we're going to say sect is essentially a faction, kind of like a denomination, but more exclusive, um, there's also a problem with the term heresy. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times when there's disagreements among these sects, it's um, they just say, oh, well, it was a heresy of, of the Jewish faith or, or, or however it works. Right. And we think very like Roman Catholic concept of, yeah. yeah, it's deemed a heresy, get her out of here. Yeah. So... Um, for those of you who haven't taken one year of Greek, <laughs> um, heresy would just mean school, right? Or school of thought, this kind of thing. So when you call something a heresy, it's, it's you need to have a, um, like you said, a, a Catholic attachment to it, um, or like a more developed idea of what a heresy is within the church. Yeah, that's the modern definition. Because in, yep. in Christianity, we don't have any time for it. Mm-hmm. Um Heresy's just wrong. Unfortunately, we've taken that word um, and kind of changed it out of its first century context. I, um, I guess, unfortunately. I guess, it's, yeah, it might not be unfortunate <laughs> because we've used that word to denote something like that is damaging to the Christian it, faith. Yeah. Um, as long but it as wouldn't be seen as such a negative thing. So when we read about heresies within um, the Jewish sect, it's not like they're looking down on, on one another in the same way we would look at it. Right. Not, um, not in like a, you have your... Your beliefs have damned you, yeah. Sort of way, which is what Christians use heresy as. It's like that is a <clears throat> that is a belief that cuts you off from the body of Christ. We have the that same is issue with cult. Yeah. Like when we yeah. say the word cult, we don't think of an act of worship or the act that is done in like a ritualistic setting. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: there is such thing as Christian cult. I'm not saying a cult is in a small break off community. I'm yeah. saying like when you worship, that is technically. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a cultic practice. practice. Yeah. Cultic yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah. 
the nicer word we like is ritual. Ritual but. still got some negative connotations <laughs> yeah. for, for Protestants, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, do we want to ha- go into Pharisees? Yeah. If yeah. we're going to cover one first, I'd say Pharisees is yeah. fair. Because they, they have a bigger influence in the biblical text. Mm-hmm. Um, and they appear to be the main, the main antagonist for Christ mm-hmm. and the main antagonist for Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And they also become the most common... Um, form of Judaism to survive the destruction of Jerusalem. They win. Yep. Yeah. Well, they don't they win. win. They survive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I feel yeah, like is a how a lot of the conflicts go yeah. for the Israelites. <laughs> <laughs> they don't win. They survive. Well, from from what I know. What, wow. <laughs> weren't they the ones that were more captivating the people even in Jesus's time anyways? According to Josephus. But okay. Josephus was had, also a Pharisee. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Josephus is, there's a lot, the most information that you're going to get on any of these sects are is from Josephus. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Colton had pointed out, he is a Pharisee and he's writing for Gentile audiences to be more sympathetic towards Jews, yep. generally speaking. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. There's even arguments over him calling them philosophical schools is not actually what they were in his mind, but more a contemporary um, right. way to refer to them in Gentile mindsets. Yep. Right. So we lose even some of the terminology they use kind of in-house just because they were being observed by a Gentile audience yep. um, or for a Gentile audience. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, do you got an opening statement about Pharisees? Um, their name has weird etymology. And mm-hmm. we don't really know where it comes from. It it could mean uh, separatists um, yeah. based right. off of their... So one of the, the determining factors between the Sadducees and the Pharisees is that um, the Pharisees will actually use um, a larger portion of the Hebrew scriptures. Um, yeah. They'll use not just the Torah, but also the wisdom literature and the prophets. Um, and so their interpretation of the Torah can sometimes use the illusions within the Psalms within like Isaiah and, and like these different things. Right. And they'll read that back into the Torah. Whereas the Sadducees don't really have that, that hermeneutic in the same way. Um, yeah. So when they say they're, they're separatists, it may be that they were seen as adding on to the scriptures, right. Mm-hmm. That they were, they were, we would call them liberals. Right. Well, and what's interesting about that, that term separate or separatist mm-hmm. is that term originates from non-Israelites. It was, outsiders like traders and merchants and travelers that started calling them the separatists, the separated mm. ones, mm. Oh, because they looked different than the people, the rest of the groups, right? Yeah. because of how legalistic and strict they were about being separate or holy. Yeah. Mm. How but, much validity do both Joel and Josh, you guys did your major papers on these. Um, you know, I know Colton's read quite a bit about it. Um, how much do you guys see validity in the connection between Nehemiah and some of the old, some of the latter latter historical books and proto Pharisee uh, thought, Pharisaical thought? Because I've seen that multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how much validity do you guys think there there is? I think what the connection you can make, the furthest that I would go personally is. Nehemiah seeds the foundation 
for where Phariseeism sprouts. Okay. Um, okay. You see the roots of their ideas, but not the start of their ideas. Mm-hmm. You see how it could ferment from there, yeah. the way Nehemiah is legalistic, trying to get people back to the law, um, fairly dry with it, but still having that like, guys, like we need to obey. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is yeah. what got us into the mess. Let's not do it again. Yeah, Create rules yeah. around the rules so we make yeah. sure we don't break the rules. Yeah, obviously yeah. the rule itself was not enough. So let's... <laughs> well, that's like I said, yeah. the predecessors to the Sadducees and the Pharisees with the Hasidim, yeah, which I comes from Hesed or like the goodness, the holiness, yeah. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So there was a return to the call of God, right? Mm-hmm. Like to the law, yeah. um, which is should be your conclusion when you come out of exile because you didn't follow the law in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And there's only about 100, 150 years between Nehemiah and the beginning of the, the first mention of Pharisee. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, I've seen let, cause yeah, Josephus, I think is the one who more mentions the Pharisee connection. Uh, although it's not drawn directly to Nehemiah and Ezra, but there seems to be more of a connection between the, the Hasid, Hasidim. Yep. Uh, I'm bad at pronouncing Hebrew words. Um, Hasidim. And Nehemiah and Ezra, their uh, extreme protection of the temple uh, with the Maccabean revolt and stuff like that. They were the, and the Hasmoneans, they were the ones who kind of protected and gained a lot of political power because they uh, followed similarly to how Nehemiah uh, scourged the, uh, he scourged and got rid of a lot of the, uh, what are they called? Um, the Samaritans and, mm. and yeah. other uh, peoples yeah. of the land. Uh and kept and purified the temple and stuff. And that's kind of the model they followed after as well. Yeah. There's debate on whether the uh, Samaritans should be considered a sect on the same level as Sadducees and Pharisees, mm-hmm. which mm. is very interesting um, because there's there, it's kind of inconclusive on whether their theology is different enough that they should be kicked out or not. Um, when I, I wrote a paper on the temple. And so I also yeah. I had to get into the Jewish temple that the, technically the two Jewish temples that's in uh, technically Egypt, three Egypt. Oh wait, no, in Egypt. Um, and then the the main one, obviously in Jerusalem, um, and then the possible other temple, yep. um, Mount Gerizim. Yeah, and that was fascinating. It's it's shockingly like reading the reading the Bible. You think that they're oh they must be completely different because that's how kind of the New Testament presents them, mm-hmm. and then you read what they actually believe in studies and whatnot. And you're like, Oh, they're compared to their context around them. They're far more similar than they are different. Is the temple in Egypt. Is that the one for the, uh, the Jewish mercenaries? Yep. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. That's super cool. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll get a little bit into that. when we cover uh, Sadducees. Um, Mm. yeah, Joel, I have some things that I have three things that distinguish the Pharisees. Okay. Um, I don't know if you found the same ones or if, uh, Caleb, you'll agree. But the sources that I found was the the three things that were distinct, not that the others didn't touch the ideas, but what the things that were the the most distinct or where the separation was easy to see yeah. was in three specific doctrines. Uh, one, the bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, the last judgment and the things that they would face in judgment. Um, and three, the rewards and punishments after yeah. in the afterlife. Um, and those things 
a lot of end time stuff was what separated the the reward of being good or bad the 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 bodily resurrection of the dead and the living the yeah. it's all end time stuff but we tend to think of pharisees the as here and now well i think stuff like that that's all es- eschatologically related and that's totally mm-hmm. true um i found the main difference in, in almost all of their traditions yeah. manifest from what they what they think is authoritative god's word right mm-hmm. um so the pharisees and correct me if i'm wrong their understanding of their relationship with god and all that was a far more was a living tradition yeah. They expected mm. God to continue to act in in history, not just act in like, yeah, he provides, right? Because the, the, the Sadducees believe that too, but he, he will continue to act out his plan for them, meaning yeah. new words, new revelation, new prophets. And so because they expected that, they see the historical books, as as uh, Joel mentioned, historical books, the prophetic books and the, and the writings, um, to be divinely inspired and authoritative. And yeah. so every, all of their disagreement comes from those. Yeah. Um, and while those existed in the Jewish mind, like those ideas that are presented in as they are written, they existed in the Jewish mind. Obviously, they were written down. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were not always part of mainstream Judaism, mm-hmm. like the Pharisees understood them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the main distinction, I think, everything arises out of that. All the distinctions come out of that, I find. Yeah. Well, let's let's just talk about eschatology as a quick aside to kind of define our terms. We haven't done an eschatology episode yet. I'm sure That's it's a, coming down the tube it's somewhere. A big topic. Um, when maybe we have you know five or six years to prepare for an episode, yeah. <laughs> we might be able to cover or our whole oh, lives. Yeah. Does anybody <laughs> know anything ar- about end times? Hopefully, it no. arrives before. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully yeah. before we have to release that episode, Christ comes back. Um, <laughs> or what if we're the heralds? <laughs> what? Okay, what? so this is why we can't cover eschatology. <laughs> so eschatology is just it's concerning the end, the end times, yeah. the last yeah. days. Um, and then you'll find that closely associated with uh, what's called apocalyptic literature. Um that's something that Caleb has read a lot about, and I'm not even going to try and define. Um, but if you want to spend a couple of days deep in books look up apocalyptic literature. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, did you know that the Pharisees just held Enoch as being like, just there? Like real, like the word. Yeah. yeah, Real. Um, the book literally existed. No, no, no. no, I mean that it was an authoritative part of the canon. Yeah. Um, so because they interpreted a lot of those, uh, spiritual beings, the watchers, the, the 12 archangels kind of a thing, the rock giants in Noah. Yeah, so oh if you've gosh. watched the cinematic masterpiece those that is Noah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. But those big rock monsters that look kind of like the thing from uh, Fantastic oh Four. Um, those are called the Watchers. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's, They're yeah. the best. Them and Enoch together are the best part of that movie. Yeah, it's pretty sick. His flaming sword. Yeah, cool. There's a flaming, I haven't seen the movie. So anyway. the Sadducees and Pharisees' uh, disagreement was, like you said, from um, the books that they kept mm-hmm. as as not sacred, inspired is the right word. Um, part, part of, because the Pharisees also had this living tradition view, mm-hmm. it gave partial, partial legitimacy for the whole, like the... The tradition of our for, of our fathers, or the mm-hmm. the, el, the tradition, tradition of, of the elders, yeah. depending mm-hmm. on who's writing. Uh, I think yep. it's, mm-hmm. it's Josephus calls it forefathers, 
in common nomenclature now, not nomenclature, really, I guess academics, academics will normally call it the tradition of the elders. And that's essentially them building rules to make sure that people don't break the rules. And you see even Jesus like alludes to this when yep. it's like the whole, mm-hmm. you bind up strong labor, like loads that enforce them on other people to carry that you yourselves don't. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that with some of the stuff with like the, the temple tax, not t- temple tax explicitly, explicitly like inheritance stuff and mm-hmm. stuff owned to your, the rules around the Sabbath are yeah. a huge. Yeah. So what that is, is their hermeneutic. Um, so the idea of midrash, um, is the it's the method of hermeneutics. So hermeneutics is how you read the Bible, um, or really any piece of text. Um, their whole thing was that every every truth can be found within the words of the Torah, right? So then they would constantly use their literary tradition to reinterpret the Torah over yep. and over and over again, and eventually until all truths are made known. Is that just the Torah? Like, um, yeah, just- it is because okay. if. Um, if it's applied to something other than the Torah, there's another word for it. Um, like the history, historical if it's, Yeah, or... if it's applied to it like a narrative, mm-hmm. um, then it, there's another word for it, but I can't remember what it is. Interesting. Um, should cool. I put that in the notes? Anyways, it's a whole thing. Um, and then to do these things, to live according to the Midrash, was what was called a halak, um, mm-hmm. which was like a different version of holiness, right? Not just attributing to the law, but like to the interpretation of the law. Mm. Um, right, which is, as authoritative. Yeah, it's super interesting if you if you want to get into the hermeneutics of the Pharisees. But either way, um, the Sadducees didn't like them because they had a what's a an angelic hierarchy, um, mm. and the Sadducees blamed that on syncretism from Zoroastrianism in exile. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, you just picked that up when we were all living living we life in living Babylon. In good old Babel. Yeah, so I found that I think in F.F. F. Bruce's New Testament history. Mm. Um, nice, really interesting. That's, that's bit. Funny. Um, yeah, another thing that the Pharisees were known for specifically was this is related to their political history. Mm-hmm. Is they really the two times they have the majority in the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is the the governing party within the Israel. It's the group that condemns Christ. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's the one um, that they bring him towards, and mm-hmm. uh, the disciples are brought multiple times in Acts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's their Congress. It's the the, the political entity that runs mm-hmm. Israel, um, and it's not necessarily power through Rome, but Rome gives them power to govern their own people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's like some animosity even between them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so the they they hold two the majority two times, and one of them is in 78 BC to 67 BC, mm-hmm. nine years, um, and then after the Roman destruction. Um, when it just everybody else, like Joel says, they're the only ones that survive. And it's not really the Sanhedrin after that. No, no, it's, it's and the reason for their power in seventy eight to sixty seven is um, John Hyrosine. Hyrosine, yeah, yeah. He just dies, and his wife really likes Pharisees, so she gives them a bunch of political power right after he yep. dies. Yes, like after so he killed. At- what, 10,000 of them? No, 800. Crucified 800. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I read the wrong course. <laughs> yeah, their, their history moves fast. Um, yeah. It's fun. Uh, but what's interesting about that is when they're not the political majority, uh, they revert to a table fellowship ministry. They really just get down with the people <laughs> and just focus on how people are living life. Um, and... They, when they're not the political majority, they don't 
focus on politics as their avenue to change Israel or to affect change in Israel. Mm-hmm. It's they go to the people through the mm-hmm. scribes that they're partnered with mostly in the gospels, but also in history. They're highly connected. Well, we see that would, that's connected to their, essentially what Israel learned in exile, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the collective, the common collective of, of, uh, Israel was not following the law, therefore God judged them. And so the idea yep. would be, well, then we have to make sure that the collect, common collective yeah. of Israel, or uh, of, uh, of Israel, yeah, <laughs> of Israel is still following the law and following it the best that they possibly can that way so that maybe, maybe, maybe Rome will yep. not, will yep. not oppress us anymore, or maybe we won't get expelled. Maybe we won't, yep. we won't get to, we won't get to that point again where we become so, so depraved that God mm-hmm. wipes us off exactly. the face of the earth. Yep. Exactly. And that's why they, the group, the Pharisees survive. Yeah. I don't, mm. I thought it was more like they were ca- like, they captivated more of the people and the people kind of that's, continued their no, tradition. That's not what I've read. What did you read? Like that. They're the primary, they're the pr- primary party, actually the only party that is investing um, in oh. the synagogues because they, um, they're the ones in the diaspora afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, they come back, Israel's reestablished, but then even still, because with the Seleucid oppression, a lot of Jews left yep. Yep. and they would find themselves in Roman provinces or yeah. in Egypt before Rome took it over. Um, and so they would, they would set up these essentially Jewish colonies for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, that's where you get your synagogues, but they still had that very Sadducean. No, we learned we're not going to be exiled again because we're going to remain faithful to the law. We're going to remain faithful to the law. And so you have a, the Pharisees are already starting to build alternatives, quote unquote, to a temple centered religion. Yep. But Okay. That's what I mean by table fellowship and going to the people is that's the, that's the way that they did it. Sure. Okay. Is okay. they used the, the synagogues, the, the teaching of the people, bringing them to that higher calling, to that knowledge, rather than affecting change through the political sphere, right? Instead of going back to the Kings and Chronicles structure of the King represents the people and the people are judged because of the King's actions. Yeah. Um, Instead, make sure the people don't fall by making sure that they hold up to the law, mm. making sure that they obey. And the way they do that is through educating the people of the and law. All the stuff that happened through in the synagogues. synagogues and stuff like that. Right. And so what ends up happening is the Sadducees are the ones that are doing the political movements, but all the people are working within the Pharisaical tradition. Mm-hmm. And so when the, the, the nation... Israel gets wiped out by Jerusalem, by Rome in 70, the, the people are what's left. Mm-hmm. And right. so the Pharisees survive. And then that develops okay. into the rabbinical tradition because the tradition of the elders is what carries on. Well, yeah. I, w- I was going to ask, yeah. uh, this tradition of the elders that's made by the Pharisees or more promoted by the Pharisees? Like, I don't Both. One, Both. One and the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, developed in the intertestamental yeah. period. Yep. A lot of is the... Is that what led into the, uh, the, the creation of the Talmud? Talmud and, and yeah. Mishnah. That's what, that's what becomes... Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. The, because the, the elders were... The, the elders were referred to as rabbis. Yep. And that's where 
rabbi starts to become more dominant. Even even Jesus is called a rabbi multiple yep. times. Yep. Uh, and as a result, also that's also the word used for um, like that's that's where the scribes get so heavily attached to the Pharisees is because they're seen as the ones that are holding continuously writing in that document mm. and formulating that document. Well, I mean, and then Paul is a significant Pharisaical figure as well because it's he was a Pharisee before he was he was changed mm-hmm. by Christ, Pharisee right? Of Pharisees, yeah, exactly. Like, and and his whole thing was like, I didn't have any trouble being a Pharisee. Like, I was good at it. <laughs> right? I was like, better it than a, all the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a whole argument in Second Corinthians, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's the he's the prodigy of one of the greatest Pharisees, Gamaliel. Yeah, um, yeah. who ends up taking a spot in Acts. Yeah, it's a very interesting line because they're yeah. like, ah, we should kill some of the disciples. And he's like, well, you know what? If it's of God, that's a bad idea. But if it's not, it'll just fizzle out. Anyway, like so here does. we are recording this podcast 2,000 years later. Yeah. Gamaliel yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> was right. Yeah. Um, is it Josephus that records uh, Gamaliel as basically splitting his students into one half studying Greek wisdom and one half mm-hmm. studying Jewish wisdom? Yep. So there's already like kind of this... Uh, presupposition that he was going to be studying other types of wisdom to begin with. Well, and you see right? that in you see that in Paul's writings. Sometimes yeah. he'll just straight up quote um, Greek, yep. is it a rhetoric or mm-hmm. wisdom parables and stuff like that, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. it, it's evident. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean there are uses of the Old Testament that have been pointed out to be oh he's using like a, a midrash hermeneutic which I can't define for you I don't know it well enough to to be able to run you through the system but um, you know well, it's been found in there. Well, here's an example in First Corinthians chapter nine, Paul does this beautiful thing where he goes between he's placing an argument for freedom in Christ but sacrificing your freedom for the sake of others, and he uses. There's many people in the church of Corinth and he gives a three verse argument in the style of a Greek rhetoric. Mm -hmm. He gives a three verse argument in the style of a law argument from the old Testament. He gives a three verse argument for how to interpret this from temple worship, a three verse argument, arguing this from his personal life, a three verse argument, arguing this from the Mm. new Christian perspective. Mm. And then, so like he just, he knows it all. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he's educated in the format of all, and that just shows the, the dedication to study and the word mm-hmm. that the Pharisees had mm-hmm. Yeah, was, yeah. Cool. Did we have anything else to say on the Pharisees? Oh, there was their, uh, their other two beliefs. We completely missed those. We just ended up talking about. Oh, the, um, what do you got? Oh, the predestination. Oh, yeah. They had a kind of a mixed view of fate or determinism. Uh, The Sadducees and the Essenes tended to be on either ends of the argument, and the Pharisees were in the middle. And the the famous line that they go back to by Rabbi Akiba is, all is foreseen, but freedom is granted. Mm. That sounds like they're playing both sides and they don't have an argument, but... Maybe that's what the biblical textbook puts puts forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Free will and predestination. Mm -hmm. The Bible definitely presents both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to? Well, they were the main targets of Jesus, right? 
They're the main antagonists in both the Gospels and in Acts, right? Acts, and you can kind of see it in Paul's writings. Um, I think. Why do you think that is? I think well, it's because they were the closest. Yeah. In um, like if you were to say that uh, Christianity was or the way was a split off of mainline Judaism, it would be a split off of Pharisaical thought. It wouldn't go back as far as Sadducees or Hasidim or or whatever. It would be more, most closely related to. Okay. Um, because, uh, again, Christ interprets the Torah again, <laughs> yeah. right? Like he, he puts something new forward and he says, you know, you've made these laws so much around, um, say, the Sabbath, that you've like lost the purpose of the Sabbath. Is it like the whole idea that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, right? Yeah. Um, and what's cool is you can actually see this. Um, ben Shapiro in his episode on the Daily Wire of him talking to Bishop Robert Barron. No, um, the oh. Protestant guy starts with an M. M- MacArthur. MacArthur. Oh. Uh, oh, what he, whoops. <laughs> How big what MacArthur he presents, we'll never get him on the podcast now. Yeah. Um, what he Great. presents is, is that if you look back at the tradition of the elders, the Talmud, you can actually see at the time around Jesus, the there is a whole school of thought that has similar teachings. It was not popular, but has similar teachings from what Jesus mm-hmm. says. And so you can even see yeah. that there's a there's a natural progression from mainline Pharisaism to mm-hmm. this other school that's within Pharisaism yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being from that time, he would have been familiar with those arguments, blah, 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 blah. I, th- I think it's also worth pointing out to the the majority of the documents in the New Testament are written for their audience that they're targeted towards. Mm-hmm. And the majority of those audiences are going to be dealing with synagogue uh, going Jews mm-hmm. outside of the land of Judea. Um, and the vast majority of them, like we just pointed out, are mm-hmm. going to be Pharisees. Well, I mean, the spreading of the early faith was in the synagogue. Yeah. So if Pharisees were yep. there, then that's yeah. that's the first converts, right? Um, and it's, it's easy to see, because we're talking about them being the main opponent to Christ, mm-hmm. it's easy to see them as evil, bad. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's because we're seeing them through the gospel presenting them as the opponent to Christ. But there are a few lines where Jesus says, like, your righteousness will have to surpass them mm-hmm. if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven yeah. via Christ. But, the like, he, he, he criticizes them. But he also like criticizes a very nice word for yeah. what he does. You with brood them. of vipers. Yeah. <laughs> Calls yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sons of Satan. No, absolutely. Like but that. he also he also he there is a there is a hint of respect in the fact that he says that they are they have a righteousness. Yeah. Well, I think he says that too. It's interesting when he'll say that. Mm-hmm. He'll say that when he's talking to his disciples. Yeah. Mm. Public, but publicly mm-hmm. and to their face, it is the no, you are like, oh, what the law and the prophets point to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. Yeah. 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 The only. You uh, say you believe it, but you don't follow me. Well, then you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't believe it. Isn't yeah. the only positive, really, interaction he has with the Pharisees with Nicodemus? Uh, Nicodemus, when yeah. he meets him on the rooftop, talks about how he's. Uh, yeah. Uh, John three sixteen, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, he meets him at night on the rooftop, right? Is it a rooftop? Or am I thinking of the uh, the chosen show when they meet <laughs> on the rooftop? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but but even in John's gospel, um, he John points out that the Pharisees were not decided on Jesus. That no. some of them believed. Yep. Yep. That some of them were like, but they didn't want to speak out. And so like, it, it wasn't like all of them were in unison, yeah. Jesus bad. Yep. It there was there was a lot of them. They had their differences, and yeah. 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 Well, they would have had sympathies towards resurrection as well. So when yeah. he said like, oh, when he said he'll be back, like <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, that tracks, yeah. you know, <laughs> because they would uh, see the um, yeah the major prophets as having some of that proof. Well, and in my study of like synagogues, which they were the mm-hmm. ones that formulated that, mm-hmm. um, you see in the synagogue system how actually caring they were like one of the things they did was synagogues were not only the place where you learn the law but they were community centers they had rooms for travelers going from around so that you could stay there instead of having to pay at the inn um they fed you they fed the poor um not only that one of the things that struck me the most that i was like wow like these guys are great was for orphaned girls they would pay their dowry to get married Mm mm-hmm Hmm. Wow. Which is huge in that culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And at huge. that time, <laughs> like that's so wild. Yeah. That mm-hmm. this group that we see is like legalistic, like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. this is bad, you're sinning. As yeah. like But even y- yes, yeah. they did these great things, but even Jesus talks about how they did it mm-hmm. mostly for show. At least the ones in Jerusalem. Well, yeah, he calls them whitewashed tombs. Yeah. I, but yeah. the concept is Righteousness does not come from a desire to uphold the law at the mm. cost of what the law is trying to point you towards, which is Christ. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. but to deny Christ then is to not understand the law. Right. That's the whole present presentation throughout the gospels. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Pharisees. Do we got anything else, Joel, or should we pass it off to the Sadducees? I guess we'll have to pass it back to the Sadducees. I'm just sad, you see. Yes, <laughs> it's not fair, you see. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Caleb, didn't you write one of your major papers on the Sadducees? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. It was pretty good. Very interesting. So Sadducees are kind of there's not a whole lot, just in general. So as described. Um, the uh, the Pharisees lived on. Sadducees did not. Seventy A.D. hit the fragile um, social social political environment that kind of gave the Sadducees their power it was absolutely decimated, and yep. nothing. They're not even mentioned in present tense post destruction of Jerusalem. Um, and so the only records that we have of them are like we don't have anything written by them. So everything's right. written from a bias lens. Yeah, um, like New Josephus. T- mm-hmm. Josephus, who's a Sadducee, or a uh, Pharisee. Pharisee. Yeah. You have the New Testament, which views the Sadducees with even more antagonistic terms than the Pharisees. Mm. Um, you have the uh, Talmud and the Mishnah, which are yep. extension of the Pharisaical rabbinic tradition. Um, and so you have, you have some pretty negative views. So what ends up happening is, especially in, you'll, you'll see this in like, Late 20th century um, scholarship, a very strong caricature 
of Sadducees begin yeah. to begin to show up. And the idea is, is like, oh, it's the rich elite. All the rich elite are part of the Sadducean system. Mm-hmm. They all they want to work with the foreign powers, and they have a materialistic worldview. They don't believe in angels. Um, they yep. don't believe in the resurrection. That's the one that I think most people uh, think when they think Sadducee. It's like, oh, they deny the immaterial realm. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, and that's that's the caricature that's often put forward. And you'll you'll still read it in books today. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote my paper saying that hey, um, that's a caricature. And in reality, yeah, the evidence might point something like that, but that's too confident because there's evidence to say otherwise. So if we're going to go with a little bit of etymology like Joel did at the beginning, let's start at the beginning. Where did they come from? Some people argue uh, Zadok in, I think it's Second Chronicles, um, the high priestly line gets narrowed down to Zadok's line. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's not super tight. It's yeah. not really sure. There's a lot of theories about Sadducees. There's another theory that when Antiochus Epiphanes, Epiphanes IV came in, did the whole, sac- wanted to sacrifice the pig, Maccabean revolt, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Jews left temple in Egypt. Later on, one of the priests there gets called back to Jerusalem to serve as a high priest in Jerusalem. That's another theory. Right, and he would have been a Sadducee. Mm-hmm. He right. would have been a Sadducee because he's from the line of Zadok, and that would be the whole Zadok. Right. Um, what? What's? How's it actually pronounced in Hebrew? Uh, I should probably remember oh, to say. Uh, um, I've already tried to pronounce. Hebrew oh, was it like I shouldn't? Zadokian. It's Sadducean. Zadokim. Sadokim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Zadok, maybe. Um, the other is Zadik which is just righteous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that might be a tie. Maybe a lot of people make big, long winded arguments on these in books. Eh. Yeah. There's it's, not too much evidence. Yeah. yeah. Most of it is just etymol- etymology. See, very similar word. Right. Um, yeah. There might also be something about uh, Sadhu from a Pharisee perspective, which means destruction. <laughs> um, mm. I've seen that one. That one's really fun. Why would they call them that? Because uh, they're the ones that are oh. destroying Israel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see. Well, the, they considered Very themselves prerogative. the prerogative. old ones, right? That they were the maintainers of tradition from the beginning, at, which also alludes to their hermeneutic, which is just the Torah. Yeah. Nothing but the Torah. Everything must agree with the Torah. Um, and there's no subsequent revelation from that. Um so I, I think both Pharisees and Sadducees almost have, um, in their etymology, like the development of, of their title, um, they have like a negative explanation and a positive explanation. So I think that's what you've just put forward there is like, yeah. we're either calling back to the priests or it means we're bringing it all down. <laughs> yeah. Which well, for the Pharisees might be the same thing. Cause if you're calling back to the old ways, that's how they died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I don't, it's worth pointing out that these don't just pop up in post-exilic Israel. Mm-hmm. At least this, I haven't read anything on this. I've just read people say, hey, these are probably evolutions of something that's been moving through the Jewish community in exile and maybe even pre-exile. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy to miss that because when you read Kings and Chronicles, oh, we unified go, belief. They're yeah. all the same. Yeah. yeah because yeah. we go, it's a series of Kings and we go, the, the King sins, the people sin. 
The king sins, the people sin, and the priesthood you just see is continuously getting worse and worse and worse through the prophets. Um, And, but that's because we think that the book of Kings and Chronicles is telling us when we read it, everything. Yeah. When it's specifically telling us the problem with the Kings. Yeah. um, And the problem with sin developing. It's not talking about the socio-political groups that are arising as a result of Hezekiah's agreement to bring Babylon into the area. It's not talking about the the issues with Manasseh killing prophets. Or it's, even like underlying uh, movements within the social structure of like, hey, yeah. how, how are they thinking about, based on another religion that they're trading with, now yeah. they're having to articulate, what, are the, what, are, what is the Jewish response to the afterlife? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is this? Yeah. And like you see, you see elements of that developed even as far back as David. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not David? Yeah, King David. G- no, Daniel. No, David. Wow. David's further back. Uh, yeah, you're David. About- and then it's developed more in Daniel. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting the... <laughs> so Daniel's yeah. actually considered the prototypical Sadducee. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Um, Pharisee. Pharisee. Yeah, However, pers- it's... Yeah, they don't They don't like the book of Daniel. There's no. a whole thing. I, I, I almost got into it for my paper. Yeah. They really... Really well, it's got really all the stuff like, they hate. It's got the eschatology yeah. of, of the Messiah, it's got like food laws being put in. Um, it's got uh, specifically, you mean the Sadducees don't like Daniel, yes, because yeah. it's actually similar to Pharisee teaching, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, Josephus says of the in of the Sadducees in relation to the Pharisees, is it's the, the Sadducees are able to persuade none but the rich, the Pharisees have the multitudes on their side. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like uh, the, a little bit of a class elitism, and that's that's likely tied to their exclusivistic, almost mm-hmm. like very high priests, mm-hmm. um, and tie with perhaps Herod as well. Yeah, it's yeah. People make a big deal out of that. They'll say that it's like, well, if someone's a high, if someone's high arist- like aristocrat, I yeah, aristocrat. Sorry, I'm having problems speaking today. Um, they must be part of the Sadducee uh, sect. Yeah. However, that's not really the argument. The argument is just most Sadducees, even all Sadducees, you could make the argument, are part of the higher elite class. But not all everyone in the elite class is part of the Sadducee sect. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a... It's, it's a false inversion. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see that very, like, as we mentioned in the caricature, you'll see that a lot. People will make that that distinction, and it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not even what Josephus says. Um, well, it it also doesn't seem like that's what the Gospels are presenting. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, the the, the Pharisees with um, Caiaphas um, go to the high priest to get him executed, mm-hmm. Ananias, and so there, there's a there's a relationship between the power hierarchy and the Pharisees in that case, and so. It's not that all of the people in the hierarchy, like you're saying, in the, the aristocratic or the, the people in the power structure are Sadducees, because as the gospel presents, some of them are Pharisees. Right. Yeah. Um, Josephus goes on to give the best description of what they believe. Uh, oh, cool. It's, he describes their denial of the immortality of the soul mm-hmm. uh, and their absolute abandonment of faith. They are the ones who embrace more that free will 
argument, right? Oh, they did don't... you say faith or fate? Fate. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, so on the on the spectrum, Sag- uh, Pharisees are in the middle. Sadducees are far more on that free will. God's not predetermining everything. Mm. We have you know choice and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting with their with the angel stuff. There's the passage where. There's a couple passages actually where people will bring up and it's like, see, they deny angelic beings and all that. Angelic beings are in the Torah, yeah, yeah, and it's reflected in Josephus's work. They don't deny that. Um, what they're denying when it's that they deny the resurrection and angels or whatnot. What they're the argument that they put forward against uh, what they had what the Sadducees thought some others made was mm-hmm. that the resurrection isn't a, you don't become an angel mm-hmm. and you're not physically resurrected. Okay. You're dead. That's yeah. the Sadducean argument. And so in the biblical text, when it's they deny the resurrection and angels or spiritual beings, it's not a denial that angels or spiritual beings don't exist. And there's no, there's no spiritual realm at all. No, their argument is you're a, you're a material being. Yeah. You don't join the spiritual realm. Hmm. That's 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 their that's the the origin for the caricature of ah they're materialists, right? Um, so it's not they're not really materialists. It's just you you're material and you're not going to the spiritual realm and you ain't coming back. Yeah, um, yeah. Depressing. I don't like this group. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we weren't asking you to convert there, Josh. <laughs> Oh, I thought this was a sales pitch. I'm going to convert to ancient Judaism. <laughs> it's interesting that... Uh, but this very specific part of it. You know, rabbinic, that's going to be clipped for sure. <laughs> rabbinic literature mis- misunderstands uh, Sadducees all the time. Mm-hmm. It even calls them the wrong name occasionally and just associates like a weird, different Jewish uh, offshoot that like immediately died out. And they were like, oh yeah, by the way, that's Sadducees. And I said, Clearly not. Yeah. Um, and so there's in the uh, Mishnah and the uh, Talmud, mm-hmm. there's super weird and accurate descriptions and self uh, self contradicting uh, contradictory, and it's it's really weird. And it, and it might be because of the animosity that the Pharisees had for the Sadducees throughout history oh, of the yeah, like, yeah. they're the political party, they're the ones that don't end up getting killed. We're the ones that end up getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. We're the we're the people, and there is definitely somewhat represented in even in the biblical text this sort of not necessarily power struggle, but these very heavy disagreements between the two Pharisees yeah. and Sadducees. So, if the Pharisees survive, it's they're probably gonna talk very negatively about these <laughs> Sadducees. Yeah, yeah, it's the Sadducees had the most to gain from Christ's death. They're the ones whose power structure was heavily tied to the temple and heavily, um, let's say, sanctioned or approved by Rome. They were, their power and their authority and basically their their place in Jewish culture was held in that that tension, in that sociopolitical tension. And so when Jesus, which is seemingly more the, the... Pharisee, and perhaps being discussed around, maybe even a zealot, a grassroots movement that might yeah. turn into a kingdom that he keeps talking about at any time. They have tons to gain mm-hmm. when 
the trial sh- comes around. And you see that scene in, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, like Caiaphas and Ananias. Ananias? Annas. And- Annas, sorry. Um, yeah, they had everything to gain because uh, it was very... Jesus' movement presented a far bigger threat to the Sadducees than it did to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Which again brings up why the Pharisees were so split on the issue. They were... Because they... They potentially could agree with this guy if they talked for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got out of their hypocrisy. Yeah. Be- yeah, because of that, people will then do that. Well, they're they're very. You see, they want to work with the foreign powers. They they they're the ruling class that wants to work with the oppressor to stay in power, so they can they can you know manipulate their 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 fellow Jews and stay in power, and that's. You see that in reflect of what we just talked about. However, they they partake just as much as the zealots in the in the revolt in seventy AD. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're part of the leaders of it too. Yeah, and so that caricature mentioned previously, at all aspects of it, it's not totally true. The Sadducees are just smarter. <laughs> well, uh, I don't just, know. They're the ones who died, so I don't know no, if they no, call no. them smart. But I mean, like, like the zealots are so obvious. Mm. Like they're the they're the foot soldiers. They're the yeah, they're the terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but what I mean is, like, they're the. Uh, there's not a good way to put this, but it's like there's always the political group and then the the radical group that is just the people, and they don't realize that like. They're doing the work of the political group. They're they're the foot soldiers. Oh, they're, I see. Yeah, they're just doing the thing, and they've got like they're inadvertently helping the Sadducees. Yeah, and the Sadducees are just they're smarter. They're more in tune. They're they're playing the game. Yeah. Well, and some Whereas, of them really do. It, yeah. Here's here's the issue with with studying the Sadducees. They don't seem to be as unified in their intentions or beliefs as the Pharisees. And so you will find examples of Sadducees that fit that caricature, but that in of itself is not right. the group. Um, and so you'll find Sadducees, specifically high priests normally, who have no problem working with working with Rome to gain power. Mm. You see mm-hmm. that. Um, but obviously there are instances where they don't. And you'll find Sadducees that are far more in that materialistic camp, right? They don't care even about talking about anything that God still acts in today. But yeah. you see that reflected even in Caiaphas prophesying that, prophesying that hey, one person, one yeah. man is going to die for the nation. And yeah, so yeah. prophecy still exists. Like, it happens. So it's it's not, you'll, you'll find examples of both. So it's, it's a shame that scholarship gets in their effort to try to like categorize and define and get mm-hmm. nail things down really, really well. It's a shame that the Sadducees got nailed down to one very specific and radical aspect. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it seems like they appear to represent more of a, this is, this is the argument at least. And I think this makes the most sense for their origin. Uh, cause I, I didn't want to bring it up then cause I wanted to bring it up now. They may have come out of the ruling elite that came out of the exile oh because in those communities they they built systems to like the like in the pharisees um they they would have been the elder families that came back Mm. 
Mm. And that's that's the argument, at least. And so from that position... By by elder families, do you mean like the first group of exiles who returned? um, They may have been, but it's more like the the people that had power in the community that came back from the exile. Okay, yeah. Um, That makes more sense. How they got into the priesthood, maybe they remained in power because they were in the priesthood before. Maybe they bought their way into the priesthood like we know some of them did. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it, it, because we don't have any of their specific literature, it's all theories. Everything is theories. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the problem with Socrates. We only know Socrates through Plato. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What was Socrates really like? Well, we have Plato's version. What was the Sadducees what? really like? Well, we have the the New Testament's version. We have Josephus's version, and we have the and the, we have the rabbinical traditions version, yeah, all mm-hmm. of which were fairly negative towards them. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's elusive. If uh, I actually have my whole paper up on the blog on our website mm-hmm. um, called it's the elusive the, the elusive Sadducean identity. Um, yeah. Thanks. I've, I've got, yeah no I went through it uh, as as part of my study and looked a lot at the footnotes looked a lot at what you referenced. I really like it. I think it's really good. Thanks. If, if you want a rabbit hole, an unending, chaotic rabbit hole, try to follow the, the high priest uh, line from the Sadducees going back. Start with Caiaphas and go back. Mm-hmm. Instantly chaos. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a series on that. Where oh, we just, oh no, dude! And then we should go on when we're rich. We should go on an archaeological dig and like when find all these people. Yeah, <laughs> you know when we're rich. Five hundred years from now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they never produced any of their own literature, it's going to be incredibly hard to nail them down. Yeah, right. Uh, mm. Man, that would be an awesome thing to discover. Hey, just like the Dead Sea Scrolls, but like it's a Sadducean oh man. crypt or It'd whatever. Wild. That would be that'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's, yeah. Sadducees are just, think of them more as the the aristocratic conservatives. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Who, both religiously and socially. Yeah. Um, they didn't, like the beliefs in the resurrection and the continual, like, living tradition, the, the wisdom literature, the historical literature, all of that, that's for the, for the longest time, seeing those as authoritative would have not been the mainstream within Judaism. Right. They reflect the older tradition of Judaism in the first century. Yeah. Um, And even still, that's kind of the most unifying thing about them. Mm -hmm. Beyond Mm -hmm. that, they have a lot of divisions within them. Josephus even goes into like, hey, they're rude to each other and mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he uses more colorful words than that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, he might just be, you know, kind of dunking on him, but yeah. It is We're, weird to just be like, yeah, and they're mean to yeah, each but other. Joseph, but Josephus thinks Goliath was six feet tall, so he's dumb. <laughs> so, Wait, what? Yeah, so yeah, in his, in his histories, he records mm. that specifically, and he also doesn't attribute the death of Goliath to David. Yeah, he does but a bunch Benea. of interesting things. Yeah, yeah, because it's it was it was not uncommon at the time to attribute the the achievement of a man that worked for the king to the king. to the king. Yeah, okay. yeah, and so it might have been Benea, the one who in the text is known for slaying giants. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've heard that one before. I just didn't know it originated with Josephus. Yeah. Uh, How does one apply? Like we've talked a lot about these two sects. What? How does one apply that to their biblical reading? Mm. And 
I hate I hate to say this. What do we say when someone goes, "Ah, you're just being legalistic. You're just being a Pharisee." Yeah, because <laughs> like that that should be tossed around. Yeah, it's not very fair. You see, <laughs> we've already made that joke. It's not funny. Yeah, it's not fair. It's <laughs> not fair. You see, Gold just wanted yeah. his time. <laughs> I just wanted a joke. Okay. What do we? I've what seen do we this say? one before. Um. Okay. Allow me. Um, yeah, you're allowed. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, Permission granted. To understand the Pharisees, you have to understand that this group is trying, trying to not disappoint God. They're really hard. They're really hard. They see where they failed. They see where God has pointed out their sin throughout the biblical text, throughout the history. And they saw the consequences of them not obeying the law. Mm. Not, not as Micah says, love justice. Sorry. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Um, and they failed to do that. And so this people group is trying so hard to get Israel to fall in line. Just don't make that mistake again. Just don't. And so they apply rules and safeguards a bit too close to the line, a bit more extreme than they should, but to make sure that Israel doesn't commit the same sin again. Let's yeah. learn from our mistake. And sadly, because of that, they became rigid and confined Israel into a box, put a giant weight on their shoulders, as Jesus would say, weighs them down. Yeah, and they conflated, They uh, a lot of the times, you see this with, especially with Jesus breaking mm -hmm. the Sabbath and stuff like that, conflated uh, breaking the tradition of the elders as breaking the law itself. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, there's a difference between the written law and the spirit of the law. And they were so rabid about following the letter of the law because of their sin previous mm. that they just as nehemiah points out god remember me and because of what i've done yep right um and that might come from a good place originally but their application and their their over extension and in turn enslaving people to a new type of sin well um yeah is the problem but it's not legalistic in the sense that it's like they just want rules for rules sake they want to obey God. I, I think a, a, a fair comparison. Uh, in more modern times, you see a lot of, especially Christian parents, but any any parents, you your child is going into a world that is very not Christian, very anti, mm -hmm. many of them are very anti-Christian, say going into public school or something like that. You want to protect them from any temptation that could lead them away from God. And so you put rules like uh, you're, like some movies are really bad, Okay, you can't watch any movies or something something silly like that. Yeah. We have extreme um, stuff where it's like yeah. I'm gonna vet everything you ever watch or listen. Yeah. Uh, or... Helicopter parents and tiger moms and stuff. Yeah. Uh, th that idea, t uh, taking those boundaries that are supposed to keep you safe from the bad thing and conflating it with doing the bad thing itself, mm -hmm. uh, is wrong, and that's what the Pharisees did. Yeah. Don't do that. I think. Okay. I might be going off on a limb here. Okay. So this is a thought in real time. I don't know. If if the Sadducees missed the point 
that scripture, yes, it instructs your life. Yes, all of that. But it's ultimately meant to point you back to Christ. That's its function. That's mm-hmm. its role. Mm-hmm. They miss that. Arguably, I do that sometimes all the time. People do that all the time. We read the biblical text. Okay, what are the rules I have to follow? What does Paul say? How do I be a good Christian? Yeah. But I miss Jesus. Even mm-hmm. when it's explicitly talking about Jesus, which yeah. is <laughs> rather than the elusive yeah. like Old Testament law. And so at least that one isn't as clear, but that's the one that I constantly get rem- reminded by. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I don't want to do the Sadducees. It's, it's not their hypocrisy that really gets them. Their hypocrisy comes from the fact that they forgot what the law was supposed to do, yep. which is point them back to God and ultimately point mm-hmm. them to Christ. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's sadly, they, f- in the attempt to not repeat the sin of the past, they're repeating the sin of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, more and that in the name, opposite direction. Well, but, but it's the same root problem, which is I can, I can get goodness from God by doing something. Mm-hmm. So the old Israelites, the point that, that, the, the, the prophets made was is that they could sin, but as long as they did the sacrifices on the, the Sabbath or the appropriate times that they were good with God, but the rest of the time they weren't, they weren't living appropriately. Mm-hmm. And because they believed that if you do the right thing at the right time, God is happy, you'll get blessed by it. Um, and that was a pagan idea. And sadly, in the attempt to avoid that problem, they're doing the same thing. Yeah, if I obey the law to the letter, God will be happy and he won't send the plague. He won't send the yeah. army. He won't send... It's the same thing just in the inverse. Yeah. But just ends up producing the exact same yeah. behavior. And yeah. Christ comes along, does the opposite, and says, no, you have been blessed. Yep. Therefore, mm-hmm. obey out of gratitude. Yeah. And much like the old Israelites under the first temple, they abandoned the law and therefore their hearts abandoned God. Uh, Mm -hmm. The second with the second, and that led to their destruction and the destruction of the first temple with the second temple, you have the uh, keeping to the law, which led their hearts away from the law, like keeping so hard to the law that their hearts no longer followed it. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, they've, they've lost the law. Yeah. The law became God. It became something it wasn't supposed to be. And therefore the second temple was destroyed. Yeah. Josh, uh, not Josh, Joel. You're looking like you have something to say. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it seemed like we were headed towards a practical application segment of the podcast, which I, I do appreciate when we get to the end of our conversations and we um, are able to nail things into a practical aspect. Um, but I just I want to cover uh, a couple of things before, you know, we, we wrap this whole thing up. Um, one is that a practical application of what we've talked about it's just to have this picture of the Pharisees in your mind as you read the Gospels. Like that that when Christ is um, conversing with these uh, religious leaders, they're not so different from you. Well, that's that's one of the things with like, mm-hmm. I got from this mm-hmm. Sadducees paper. Yeah. Because it's, it textured the social element that you read in the biblical text. Yeah. It's like, oh, these, these are people that have a history of yeah betrayal and then mm-hmm. attempt to write the write themselves and the, yeah. the people around them and running away and coming back and fleeing yeah. from persecution and and like this is it textures the environment in a way that you you'd never really get just by reading it 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it explains why things are said. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It definitely helps biblical reading. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and then on top of that, um, we have talked about first century Judaism, which means not everything we've said is going to be consistent to the modern day. Oh, right. No. Well, Pharisees did continue after the first century. Um, there's a long, a long, long discourse between the Christian and Jewish um, worldview um, that develops over history. So, um, also, two thousand years develops religious mm-hmm. practices quite a lot. Well, yeah. What's crazy about that is the time between the fall of Jerusalem and now is longer than the time between the law and Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it would be. So the amount of time that, that Judaism has developed from receiving the law to becoming the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Essenes, mm-hmm. all the various groups, the Qumran, yeah. multiple temples falling away, the Samaritans, all that stuff, that's less time than from Jesus and the rabbinical tradition developing into the the, the Hasidic Jews, the mm-hmm. Orthodox Jews. As um, diaspora across as, many different places in mm-hmm. all of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. without a nation holding them down for 2,000 years mm-hmm. until 1930-something. 1954? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Um, and so, like, that time period is... That's a lot of change. But yeah, you still see what's cool is some similarities. Yeah. In with like Hasidic or Orthodox Jews, the the rigidness and yeah, we yep. need to hold it. Well, you see the hermeneutics. I think you see it most in the hermeneutics, mm-hmm. both within Judaism, within yeah. the different branches within Judaism, and uh, the obvious distance between Christ or Christianity and Judaism. Yeah. What is the largely function? because of the midrash and the Talmud solidifying a hermeneutic just after yeah. the uh, yep. The fall of Jerusalem. In reaction against. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what was also interesting was seeing how the synagogues and the churches affected each other's structural Mm. development. Yeah. Um, And you see, yeah, you did look into synagogues, how Mm -hmm. they developed, because you see similarities in how churches adopt aspects of synagogues and synagogues adopt aspects of early churches over time. Mm -hmm. And then like... It's it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, are uh, are we good to kind of wrap up a little bit? I think so. Okay. Well, I'm going to be going ahead with that poll in the next couple of days, probably right after this releases, something like that. Um, we're coming up on a bit of a busy time, but we still want to get our topics planned out and uh, have a great summer of, of good content for uh, our Second Rate Saints li- uh, listeners. Um. You know, keep an eye on us uh, online. We're going to be uh, posting um, different uploads and, and things like that. Thanks for listening this far. Um, we really appreciate your your support and your feedback so far. If you've heard anything in this episode that makes you uh, think more deeply about the topic, or if you think we got something wrong or got something right, or um, if it inspired you at all to think about the Bible for even a minute, um, then we would love to hear from you um, over whatever social ch- channel you'd be most comfortable with. Yeah, um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Email, man. Love email it. us because we're old men. I, it's, when we get a fan email, I love it. Yeah, fan emails are so kind of the fun. best. The the crazy comments are second best, I think. Yeah. The ones that just don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Yeah, just just end the podcast as well.
that's going to be clipped for sure. 